MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. First things first, this is about truth-telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what No Mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah! This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breathtaking A move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy. It's your boy, Stephen A. Smith. I am fresh off vacation, and I couldn't wait uh, to do this show. I'm here in my L.A. studios thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the No Mercy podcast. Also, as I always tell you, gold is the silver bullet for protecting and building your wealth. So call my friends at Legacy Precious Metals at 866-257-3080. That's 866-257-3080. Or download, download your free investing kit by visiting them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com. You know where I'm going. There's a lot to get into and in the days and the weeks to come, the NBA playoffs will be going on. There's always sports related issues to get into. There's always issues of culture to get into. There's always something in pop culture and entertainment to get into. And obviously, there's always something in politics to get into. To me, when I talk about Donald Trump, it's not about politics. It's about life. It's about the world we are living in, the world we want, the world we don't want, et cetera, et cetera. And we all saw the news. And reading from the article here, just to make sure y'all understand exactly where this is going, Donald Trump orchestrated a scheme to bolster his 2016 presidential campaign by paying hush money to suppress potentially damaging sexual allegations some Manhattan prosecutors alleged in charging the former president with 34 felony accounts of falsifying business records. The 34 counts in the indictment refer to allegations of 11 falsified invoices, 12 falsified general ledger entries and 11 checks falsely recording hush money repayments as the retainers. To me, all of that stuff is noise. Here's what it comes down to. Donald Trump allegedly had sex with a porn star more than a decade later as he was running for president he didn't want the news to get out and as a result he encouraged her to keep quiet and $130,000 was exchanged that's how I look at it to me this doesn't equate to the riots on January 6, 2021 
the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. This doesn't equate to the 11,700 plus votes he was looking for out of the state of Georgia where people were accusing him of trying to fix an election. This doesn't equate to that, doesn't amount to the same stuff. I think personally, I'm not going to say as much ado about nothing, but as far as I'm concerned, as much ado about not much. That's me. Folks feel otherwise. And there's a lot to get into about this, not just about Donald Trump, but about what this country might look like if he wins. Because I got news for you, ladies and gentlemen, since he's been indicted, his poll numbers have jumped up. There's a strong degree of separation between him and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, considered his most formidable Republican foe, which means the all likelihood Donald Trump will win the Republican nomination. His camp is saying he's generated in excess of seven million dollars since the indictment. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. But no matter what way you slice it, what it comes down to. Is that he's in the news again. He loves the camera. He loves the headlines. He loves the noise. The real question is, what will come of it? And what price will we all be left to pay if what comes of it is what he wants? It's a lot to get into, and there's nobody, nobody to get into it with better than Trump's former personal attorney who knows a whole bunch of stuff, if not everything that involves Donald Trump, actually did time. Because of his actions in support of Donald Trump. All of that's coming to the forefront. His name is Michael Cohen. He's up next on No Mercy with your boy. Don't touch that dial. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline Until I flatline, I push it to the red line Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? In case you've been living under a rock somewhere For the first time in United States history A former president has been indicted That man is Donald Trump He surrendered to federal authorities uh, Just yesterday And was arraigned on more than 30 counts 34 to be exact Related to business fraud in the indictment CNN has reported One of the charges that we knew of was for a hush money payment of $130,000. He instructed his then personal attorney, Michael Cohen, to make to porn actress Stormy Daniels days before the 2016 presidential campaign to silence her from going public about an alleged affair she had with him 10 years earlier. Trump, of course, has denied the affair. But needless to say, uh, we're not talking to him right now. We're talking to that personal attorney I just alluded to. Mr. Michael Cohen is here on No Mercy with yours truly, Stephen A. What's going on, Michael? How are you, man? Good to see you. Uh, thank you so much. It's good to talk to you. Meet for the first time. I've always wanted to interview you, and now I get the opportunity to do it. We're talking about a twice, a now twice impeached former president who's been indicted and arraigned. Um, how do you feel about all of this right now, what's happened and the role that you've played in making this happen. You know, I'm very mixed. I've said this before and I'll say it again with you, Stephen A. Um, I'm very mixed in terms of where we are as a country. Mm. Yes, I believe that Alvin Bragg did the right thing. I believe in accountability. I believe, as I had stated to George Stephanopoulos almost five years ago today, that my wife, my daughter, my son, and my country have my first loyalty and always will. But on on the same front, it's the United States of America, and I have so much respect for the office of the presidency and our democracy that I'm watching as the very first president of the United States of America, regardless that it's Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. regardless that I'm involved in this matter, that the former president of the United States of America was indicted and the entire world watching it really makes us look foolish and not the superpower that we really are. 
So with that being said, how are you going to feel? I mean, there's a lot of people that believe the charges are relatively soft compared to other things he's alleged to have done. Nevertheless, even though this is labeled a class E felony, it is plausible. It does come with a four year prison sentence, although that's considered highly unlikely. If it's for 30 days for crying out loud and a former president of the United States that happens to be your former boss ends up being incarcerated for this. First of all, do you believe he'll deserve it? And B, how are you going to feel about it? Okay. As far as whatever the jury ultimately decides, I of course respect the determination of the jury, the right, your peers. Um, I don't believe that he will ever see as I had the inside of a facility and in all fairness, I don't want to I don't want to see that that a former president ever sees the inside of a very significant home confinement would be just fine. But again, it's all about the accountability. He needs to be accountable for his own dirty deeds. I went to prison in part for the exact charges that are bring, that are being levied against Donald right now. And if it's enough to put me in prison, listen, Stephen, let me be very clear about this. If this was you, you'd already have your hands behind your back. You'd already be marched through the system the same way that I got marched through. On a Friday night at 5.30 p.m., they turn around and they tell you, you have 48 hours to come in and plead guilty or we file an 85-page indictment against you that's going to include your wife. All right. That's holding a gun to somebody's head, especially if you care about your significant other. Right. So there was no way to play games. Here, at least, he's being afforded an opportunity to defend himself, something I certainly wish the Southern District of New York would have given me that opportunity. But I don't want to see a former president behind bars. A significant home confinement would be fine because rest assured, Donald Trump would give away, and there's a lot of secrets still buried inside that head of his, as dumb as he is. There's a lot of secrets that he has now taken as a result of being briefed each and every day during the four years. And I'm more concerned about the national security for the United States of America than I am about seeing Donald Trump in orange. I respect the fact that it's a difficult thing for you to want or any of us to want for a former president of the United States. But I'm asking you just for the purposes of this question to separate the presidency from the human being that you know to be Donald Trump. Do you want somebody or do you believe Donald Trump should go to jail? Well, I believe that the charges as laid out in the statement of facts and in the 34 count indictment by District Attorney Alvin Bragg, I believe that it has merit. I believe that there is documentary evidence that will prove that. Um, and again, it's up to a jury to determine if it's um, based upon the standard necessary for a conviction. But yes, I do believe that Donald is responsible and accountable for his own actions. To highlight this for just our listeners, our viewers, the 34 counts in the indictment refer to allegations of 11 falsified invoices, 12 falsified general ledger entries, and 11 checks falsely recording hush money repayments as retainers. When you think about a person that was the president of the United States and we think about these charges, a lot of people out there are saying this is much ado about nothing. This is a political witch hunt from the left. This is what all of this is about to prevent him from ever being the president of the United States again. A, do you believe that is true? And B, no. do you think that is relevant to what we're talking no, about? No, no to both, Steve. Okay. Uh, so let me be very clear about it. I listen to these pundits as they sit and they talk about, well, this one isn't as significant mm -hmm. as the January 6th case, which is seditious conspiracy. And I acknowledge that. This case is not as significant as seditious conspiracy. I will also acknowledge that it's not as significant in people's minds that the uh, Mar-a-Lago documents, which is the top secret stolen documents that Donald took, is more significant than this case. And I will also turn around and concede that the 
uh, Georgia case, the district attorney Fannie Willis uh, case, which was trying to overturn a free and fair election. 11,000 votes. 11,000 votes in Georgia. Yeah, that's right. 11,760 vote, that mm-hmm. famous recording, that that too is more significant in the eyes of America. But that doesn't negate the fact that there were laws broken here too. And why are we treating this like this is a horse race or right that this is um, some sort of a combine where this guy is first, second, third or fourth? Alvin Bragg made the determination that his case was ripe, that it was ready for a grand jury. He took it to a grand jury. The grand jury determined that an indictment was warranted. They then executed the indictment, and so the arraignment takes place. Why are we now putting this on a list of like, you know, uh, like a horse race? Um, This isn't the first, second, third, you know, or fourth place showing here. This is a crime. And the fact that this crime in most people's eyes is less significant than, again, seditious conspiracy. Yes, that's true. But nevertheless, it's still a crime. Well, here's where let me throw myself on a sword here because I'm one of the people uh, that you're probably talking about in this regard, Michael Cohen. Here's my thinking. As a former president of the United States, the qualifications to become a a president, 35 years of age, uh, United States citizen in the country for at least 14, the last 14 years. My attitude is, can you prevent him from running for re-election? No. Can you prevent him from winning the election based on stuff like this? No. So when I think about this, to me, if you're going to go after a president, it's got to be for something that really, really sticks. I was appalled when they went after Bill Clinton years ago with the whole Monica Lewinsky scandal because I thought it was a waste of time for crying out loud. You do have people that are looking, uh, whether they're Trump supporters or they're indifferent one side or the other. You do have people that look at this situation and say, this is some really, really light stuff to be going after a former leader of the free world over. To all of that, based on what I broke down, you say what? I say that if this, again, was you, because it certainly was me, I don't hear, I hate to say it, the fake outrage from the Republicans screaming about when it was me that was being, uh, you know, beaten up by the Southern District of New York and Donald Trump's weaponized Department of Justice. I didn't see the outrage in people uh, then. The point is, don't think for a second that just because Alvin Bragg went first, that the Georgia, the Fulton County, Georgia case isn't coming down the road next. And then the two cases that Jack Smith is are handling isn't coming down Weeks after that, one thing has nothing to do with the other. Just because he was the former president of the United States doesn't give him any greater rights to law than you, I, or any of your listeners or any of the American citizens in this country. We are all supposed to be equal in the eyes of the law. And it's kind of theories like that that separates it, showing that there really is two separate and distinct classes when it comes to law. There's everybody else, and then there's those that are in power. Well, that doesn't fly, not in a democracy. Some people will look at it, a lot of people will look at it, Michael, and they'll talk about you. His former guy once described yourself as a pit bull for Donald Trump. At least that's what you were described by by many people. Uh, You've acknowledge that you've trusted him. You was fiercely loyal to him. You was quoted once as saying you take a bullet for him. We know how you felt about him. And obviously as a lawyer, you do understand that everybody isn't equal under the law. Unfortunately, it's an unfortunate reality. It's an unfortunate reality, but it's one we all know. The president of the United States is a different animal than the average Joe or Sue or Greg or somebody out there. That's just the way that it is. So when people hear you say what you say, and it comes across as if you're on this crusade, allow us to ask the question, why is that? Remind us of why you feel the way that you feel and that you've come to be this way after somebody who was so fiercely loyal to Donald Trump. 
Well, I am on I, I am on a journey. I'm on my own personal journey of redemption mm -hmm. in order to make sure that things are right. And I know what it's like to be on the inside. I know what it's like to spend 51 days in solitary confinement, especially what makes it worse is that the bulk of the charges, the tax evasion, the misrepresentation to a bank, they're just not accurate. They they based it, it was a hostage video where, again, on a Friday at 5.30 p.m., I find out, I mean, what do you do over the course of a weekend? Either you come in on Monday, plead guilty, or we file an 80-page indictment against you that includes your wife. Wow. That's not normal, and that's not, that's not proper. Um, at the end of the day, I believe that in major, major overhaul to our Justice Department is desperately needed. And there should not be, even though I will acknowledge that there is, there should not be distinctions in the law, regardless of who you are, regardless of what station you exist in, regardless of your color, your creed, your you know, religion. It should make no difference because if you look at Lady Justice, she wears a blindfold and she wears a blindfold for a reason because the laws that apply to you, Stephen A., the same that should apply to me, the same that should apply to all members of Congress, including the president of the United States of America. No one is above the law. And if we're going to continue as a democracy, that adage has to ring true. And I will do everything in my power during, for as long as I'm still on this planet. I will do everything in my power to ensure that there is change in our Department of Justice and the way that the system is operating. So is that to, so is that your way of saying to the American people and everybody watching right now and everybody that's been watching you over the last few years that it's more important for you to make sure that our justice system addresses each and every single one of us fairly, that that's more important to you than making sure you exact revenge against a man that you did time for unfairly in your eyes? Yeah, so this is not about revenge. You know, it may be the cover of my book, you know, how Donald <laughs> Trump weaponized the United States Department of Justice against his critics. This is not about revenge. This is about accountability. And I've been very clear about that. I have not wavered in my statements all along. Do I think he deserves it? Sure. I absolutely do. And again, I know the documents and I know the evidence that will be presented to the jury uh, and to the judge over the course of this investigation and this trial. But this is not about re exacting, um, you know, revenge on Donald Trump. This is about holding him accountable for his own dirty deeds. Because one thing I said to George Stephanopoulos, again, almost five years ago. I watched that interview. That, by, by the way, I watched that interview start to finish. I watched yeah. every minute of it. I mean, I said, to, I said to George that I will never allow history to remember me as the villain of Donald's story. I'm not the one who slept with Stormy. I'm not the one who slept with Karen McDougal. I'm not, it's just that wasn't me. I'm just the idiot who paid for it at the direction of, in coordination with, and for the benefit of Donald J. Trump. So with that being said, when somebody asks you, who is Donald Trump? What is he really all about at this point in time in your life where you sit right now as somebody who's done time for him, as somebody whose name and career has been tarnished um, in large part because uh, of you serving at the behest of Donald Trump? What do you say? How do you describe Donald Trump? I know you watch folks on television. I know you see people talking about him all the time, but they don't know him like you know him. What are we seeing who exactly is he in Michael Cohen's eyes? Well, we, if we can break that down into a two-part question, sure. there's the Donald Trump pre-2017, pre-presidency, and then there's the Donald Trump post the presidency. Donald Trump was always an interesting individual. Prior to becoming president of the United States, he was difficult. He was he's stubborn. He's narcissistic. But you could also have fun with him. He could be charming. He could be mean, but he could also be very charming. What we ended up with when he tasted power, the power of the office of the presidency, the most powerful person in the world, he became the worst version of himself imaginable. He wants to be an autocrat. 
He wants to be the dictator, a monarch. He wants to be a supreme leader or to his white supremacist. He wants to be their Fuhrer. That's what he wants. When he sees Vladimir Putin and how he, it's why he is so, it's why he admires these autocrats the way that he does and, you know, thinks so little of our, you know, allies. Um, it's because this is who he wants to be. This is who he believes that he believes that God put him on this planet to rule the same way he would rule the Trump organization, basically with an iron fist. He wants to rule this country the same way that Vladimir Putin rules Russia, the same way that Kim Jong-un rules North Korea, the same way that Mohammed bin Salman rules Saudi Arabia. This is who he wants to be. This is who he believes he should be. He doesn't, you know, I'll never forget, there was a time in the office when he was talking about Vladimir Putin. And his comment was, you know, Putin's really got it made because it doesn't matter who they vote for. All that matters is who's counting the votes. And that should be enough to explain to you what he wants and who he wants to be like. Unfortunately, that's not the way our democracy was set up. And he has basically now opened the door, showing other autocratic wannabes, the Donald Trump 2.0s, a playbook. And unless we all really get together, and I'm talking about the never Trumpers or the, you know, the anti-Magas, if we don't get together and ensure that elections continue to go with a blue wave, my biggest fear is that the democracy that we grew up with and the democracy that we would want our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren to grow up in won't be here. Well, how can one man do that in your estimation when there's 435 congressional figures? There's about 100 senators as well. There's corporate uh, you know, uh, giants to take into consideration. I mean, the, the kind of, of, of autocratic dictatorship kind of... Men, uh, atmosphere, environment, nation that we've seen in other parts of the world, it's going to be pretty difficult to pull something like that off in the United States of America, particularly when even the last election you had 80 million people vote against you um, and the likelihood it would be just as many, if not more, voted against you this time. When you say you have that concern, it's not just, it doesn't sound like it's just about Donald Trump's attitude. Evidently, you feel there's something inside of him that could pull it off. That's what has you concerned about this country. Explain that. Okay. So there are two ways that autocracies are created. And it's, you can could, you could look this up. The two ways, the first thing that you do is you violate people's First Amendment constitutional rights, their freedom of speech. So you look to see, for example, in Russia, North Korea, or um, let's just use Saudi Arabia as well. What they do is they stifle your free speech. They create state-run news, and it's only positive to the supreme leader, right? And as, for example, in Saudi Arabia, let's not forget about the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. Yes. In you know Russia, you have the newspaper called Pravda, uh, which in Russian means truth. And anybody that comes against you, what have we seen happen? Well, they either get a nice little face full of Novchuk, the poison that kills you, or somehow or another you believe that you can fly and you start jumping off of roofs or getting thrown out of 10-story windows. That's, that's the First Amendment part where they completely take away your rights and they create this state-run news. The second and the second way that they need in order to change, for example, a democracy to an autocracy is you have to take over the military. Or what you need to do is you need to create your own paramilitary group. Well, let me start going back for one second to the First Amendment. I was unconstitutionally remanded back to Otisville by Donald Trump's um, attorney general and his administration when they, when they weaponized the DOJ against me and had me unconstitutionally remanded and put back because I was going to be putting out my first book and Donald Trump didn't want it coming out because it was critical of him. That's the violation of, the first, of my First Amendment right. Going back to the military, what do you think January 6th was? That was a Donald Trump paramilitary group, people storming the Capitol, wearing Kevlar and guns and bear sprays and zip ties and baseball bats, 
looking to do what? To kill Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence, kill Nancy Pelosi. That to me, that insurrection is exactly, you know, the thing that Donald was looking for. And that's, again, to create a paramilitary group of people wearing his flag, carrying the MAGA flag or the Trump 2020 flag or whatever it is in his honor. So you take those two things together and they now have a playbook. It may have failed. That doesn't mean that it'll fail forever. How scared are you that these charges, that these charges against Donald Trump will amount to little to nothing and that ultimately he'll gain momentum. I will remind you that he's created a healthier distance between himself and Ron DeSantis for the Republican nomination for the presidency of the United States. Obviously, Biden's going to be 82 years of age at the time that a re-election is, 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 is scheduled to take place in a couple of years. If for some reason he bowed out, Kamala Harris is the vice president. She doesn't have the strongest uh, poll numbers at this particular moment in time. How fearful are you that Donald Trump is going to become the president of the United States again? Yeah, I don't think that he has a chance. You know, yes, he could and possibly will get the Republican nomination. But the Republican, but his core base in the Republican Party only accounts for like 30% of the Republican Party. So that's far from enough in order for him to win a general election. Yeah, he could win the nomination, but he has zero shot uh, at winning the general election. Do you know, a poll just came out, 70% of America all Americans, Republicans, Democrats, independents, agree that Donald Trump should have been indicted. And again, the Alvin Bragg case, while people say, well, it's ticky-tack and so on, again, it's what sent me to prison. And you may agree that, and I will say that it's not, again, as significant as the other three, but an assault is an assault. It doesn't have to be a murder. Okay. It doesn't have to be a killing, right? The, the law is the law, and you break the law. Mind you, Alvin Bragg, this is not novel to Alvin Bragg, these type of cases. They've already prosecuted New York, um, you know, over 100 of these type of cases. At the end of the day, he does not have the ability to win a general election, regardless of who, the, uh, who his opponent's going to be. Uh- People Are you now sh- see him for the threat that he is. Okay, and they and I'm t- his um, popularity, even in the Republican base, is waning. Are you sure he even wants to be president? Are you he sure? Want- Are you sure this is not all to, to to position himself to fend off these lawsuits that that continue to come almost like a tsunami for crying out loud <laughs> to fend that off? Are you sure that he even wants to be president? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I've said in the past, he didn't want to be president in 2016 either, Stephen A. Mm. All right? He didn't want it. Something that you can go back and you could check it. I turned around and I said, he, then this is not my words. These are Donald's words that this election, this run that he was doing in 2016 was supposed to be the greatest infomercial in the history of U.S. politics. It was all about increasing brand awareness and getting more deals. It wasn't, he never thought he was going to be the president. I mean, the fact that he became the president is, it, it's, an, it's remarkable to say the least. You're right. Right now, whether he wanted to be the president, and I think he does want to be the president, but not because he wants to be the president for all Americans. He wants to be the president for himself and for his core supporters. Because again, he has an autocratic wannabe mindset. And he truly believes that he could pull it off, that he could make America just like Russia, and that he could be its ruler. Let me get to you for a second, because obviously, you know, you you lost your career. Um, because of this and you did time. How, how are you? How are you making a living these days? Well, you know, it's incredibly, incredibly difficult. Um, you're right. They took my, they took my law license. Um, I had a incredibly large 
uh, transportation company that I'd sold many years ago, but I had held on to the assets. Um, those assets I have um, since, you know, um, sold because of two reasons. One, I had to, and second, because the entire market for transportation in yellow uh, was decimated by uh, ride-sharing apps. And we can talk about that at a later time because mm. that whole thing makes no sense to me either. Okay. Um, my book, uh, my first book was number one on the New York Times bestsellers list, mm -hmm. and that did well. Uh, my second book, I think, is number eight on the New York Times bestsellers list. Uh, and on top of that, I have not one but two top 25 uh, news podcasts. I have Mea Culpa, which we're over 85 million downloads since we started. Uh, and then I have um, Political Beatdown that I do with the Midas Touch uh, brother, Ben Micellis. Okay. Uh, that's also uh, killing it right now. Yesterday we went on. I think we were number one on YouTube streaming in the entire world. Mm. I mean, the numbers are absolutely incredible. And so there are advertisers and so on. But this isn't the life that I'm looking for. You know, I'm trying, I was hopefully looking to sidestep my relationship with Donald Trump and to move on and to rebuild my life. You know, a lot of people will turn around and it, there's so much misinformation about me. Um, oh, you know, Donald Trump made you, you were a nobody before Donald. That's not true. Other than Donald, I was the richest guy at the Trump Organization when I started. I semi-retired at the age of 39. I didn't go to work for Donald Trump for a paycheck. I went to work for Donald Trump because he offered me the job, and I, and I thought it would be incredibly cool. He immediately made me co-president of Trump Productions. I was on the board of the Miss Universe. I was on the board of three different buildings as the treasurer because I happened to be really good at it. Um, I thought it would be cool and interesting and coming off of a bad time, uh, actually health-wise in my life, you know, I was looking for something fun and exciting and I liked the challenge. Mm. I'm not the rags to riches story that they want to make me into. In fact, I'm the exact opposite. Mm. I was the riches to rags story. As you reflect on the actions you took on behalf of Donald Trump, obviously you chose to do that on your own. As you reflect on it and you have regrets, what's your biggest regret? Well, I'm not sure that I did it on my own. I did it, okay. as I had told you not, before, in not, coordination with others. Not, not, I don't mean it that um, way. I mean just making the choice. That's all I mean. I, I just meant well, making the choice. That's all I mean. I, I, yeah. I'm, I, I get very angry uh, at myself uh, on a daily basis. It's very, it's very, very hard not to. You know, I had a, was fortunate. I, I was very lucky, and I had an incredible charmed life. I have a wonderful wife, a wonderful daughter, a wonderful son. And we really had, um, we had the American dream life. And I should have listened to my wife, my daughter, my son, when they said to me, why are you working for him? Leave. And throughout my tenure that I was there, they on a regular basis would say to me, just what are you doing? Leave. Yes. You know, yeah, you, you were there for about a him. decade, right? You were there for about a decade, right? A little, a little and, more than. And a decade, you're telling yeah. me throughout that time they were telling you leave. Yes. And why were they it telling you to leave? Point. Why were they telling it you to leave? To, because they didn't like him. Uh, they thought that he was abusive, and that he, my daughter would, as she would characterize him as being gross. Um, they wanted me to leave. They didn't like the fact that there wasn't a vacation that we would go on that wasn't interrupted by a crisis that Donald needed to be handled. Um, it happened when I was in England. It happened when I would travel in St. Bart's. It would happen when I was visiting, you know, family all, all over. Um, every single time I would go away, any time that it would be the weekends, mornings, you know, it would make no difference. Donald would call me and there was always a crisis that he needed to be handled. And, you know, maybe selfishly they wanted my full and undivided attention, which unfortunately I didn't give to them. But... I um, gave to somebody who didn't deserve it. You mentioned a couple of times during this interview, you talked about dictators, you talked about autocrats. And I think about Khashoggi, who you mentioned, who was murdered, um, uh, you know, and obviously reportedly the Saudi Arabian government has something to do with that, even though it took place in Turkey, if I can remember correctly. You've spoken, you are right. You've spoken about Putin as well. And you've talked about how Donald Trump 
has a desire and aspiration to be of that ilk. So I ask you this, Michael Cohen, do you find yourself at times fearful for your own life because of how willing and adamant you are with your willingness to speak out against the former president of the United States? I I am, Um, you know, and I've unfortunately had to make many changes uh, in how I move around. I don't walk with my wife and my children. I am nervous for it. You know, traveling, uh, doing things makes me very nervous. I mean, I was traveling to Florida to visit my parents. Um, I hadn't seen them in quite a while. And so I was traveling there and while at LaGuardia Airport, uh, standing online to go through TSA, you know, there's an idiot in every group. He's there with his wife. He's wearing a pull-down MAGA hat, um, you know, like a ski-type hat. And he sees me, about five people behind him, and, you know, has to open his mouth and he has to start to make a scene. Um, you know, it is what it is. I've had, you know, the same sorts of issues. You know, the death threats come on a you know, regular basis. Um, I'm prepared to keep doing what it is that I'm doing. It's not going to derail me in any way. Um, I have stood up like probably few have, um, speaking truth to power and speaking truth to power, as we've seen, unfortunately, throughout history comes with a price and it comes with a cost and you have to accept the consequences of your actions, even if those actions are for good. One of the things that I believe folks should be fearful of, I, I, I'll, I'll say this out loud. I think the Democrats should be very, very fearful. It's one thing not to want somebody in office because you don't agree with their policies. You don't agree with how they'll run the country. I think anybody who has seen Donald Trump in action knows he's not going to forget the people that he believes were against him and put him under the level of duress that he may be feeling right now. Obviously, all of those Democrats come to mind. I'm wondering what you could highlight for us as it pertains to how the country will be and how the country will look if Donald Trump was to pull off the unthinkable. We both believe he could win a Republican nomination. You believe there's no way in hell he'll win a general election. I don't rule it out. If he were to win the presidency, what would that mean for the Democrats in office, the Democratic Party? What would that mean for America in your estimation? I hate to say it this way because never while I studied history, did I ever think that I would see this country in a second civil war? But this country will see a civil war, and it will be much worse and much bloodier than the first civil war, which is hard to imagine based upon the numbers of Americans who died. And why do you say that? that? Why do you say that? Because Donald Trump will rip this country to pieces because there, he will— do exactly as you said. He will turn around and he will, he, he has an enemies list substantially greater than anybody else in history. And Donald Trump, as using his own words, it's all about vengeance. It's about retribution. He will seek to make people's lives a living hell, whether you are a member of Congress or whether you're just average Joe citizen, Michael Cohen. He will go after everybody with everything. And what he did using, again, Bill Barr and the Justice Department to me will be just the beginning because he will have, if he is president, he will have control over the military and he will do whatever he can in order to teach those that opposed him and who, in his estimation, who have hurt him to teach them a lesson that the world will never forget. Does that include his own children? Uh, you know, I don't even want to get into, into the family relationship that exists there. Uh, I don't know if he would do it to Ivanka. Certainly Jared 
would be on that list. He's not too thrilled with him watching as Jared is now pulling down what two plus billion from the Saudis as an invest uh, for his investment company, despite the fact that he has no qualifications to manage those funds. He just took another few hundred million from the Emiratis and I think the Qataris. Or um, I mean, he's now looking at the success that Jared has managed to pull down as a result of the presidency, which Donald, of course, will tell you is his. It's not Jared's. And the fact that he's going through all of this tumult, all of this craziness, while Jared is, you know, out there just raking in cash, you know, day in and day out, building a $65 million. Do you know that Jared and Ivanka made over $600 million while they were senior advisors to the president over those four years? I did not know that. $600 million. Look it up. You can't make this stuff up. All right. So if you really want to know how they did it, I don't have the answer to that, right? I can only tell you it's not based off of their intelligence. Mm. Michael Cohen, last question before I let you get out of here. I know that you said that you want definitely to modify to improve our justice system. Obviously, with Donald Trump back in office, uh, you're not going to be able to pull that off. I think that's fair to say. I think that's fair for a lot of people to say. I give you that for uh, sure. Without question. So with that being said, if Donald Trump were to end up back in office, how personally responsible will you feel for providing some level of assistance in that in terms of helping them get into office in the first place? Meaning the first well, go-round in 2016. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a great question, Stephen A. And I got to be honest with you, um, it's part of my you know, redemption tour. It's I do hold myself, you know, in part accountable for Donald um, winning the election in 2016. However, let me also say that 70 million people voted for him the second time around. I have only one vote, just like you, just like everybody. That's what the Constitution affords. As an American citizen, I have one vote. The 69,999,999 other people that need to be convinced on the danger that this man poses. And each and every time I do my podcast or each and every time I go on television, I try to remind the American people on just how close we are to losing our democracy and the danger that Donald Trump poses to the future of this country. But you know something? If, if your wish comes true, he doesn't serve any time in jail. He just has home confinement. It still doesn't prevent him from running for re-election. It wouldn't prevent even if he was in prison either. That's right. You know, yeah. There's a misconception that felons can't run. That's absolutely inaccurate. Constitutionally, even somebody who's incarcerated can actually run for the presidency. You may not be able to go do rallies, right? right? right. But once, once you win, you're going to be operating as the president of the United States out of a federal correctional institution or a state. Hate jail. Chris Cuomo came on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and explained just that fact. So we already knew that. And thank you for reiterating that. But I forgot. This is I'm sorry. This is my last question. I ask you about this. You didn't bring up a lot of money. You brought up you brought up money when it came to Kushner, Jared Kushner. You didn't bring up money when it comes to to, to Donald Trump from the standpoint running for reelection. Obviously, he's generated some campaign dollars. I mean, he's raised an additional seven million. I think they said an additional seven million dollars since he's been indicted. And obviously went up in the polls. More money's going to come. More support's going to come. Somehow, some way, he's going to end up benefiting off of this for at least the immediate moment. What did you say? So, Stephen A., I really want you to hear me on this one because I actually said it the other day on Ari Melber. Mm-hmm. Where is that number $7 million coming from? How does anybody know that? It's coming from the Trump camp. Yes, that's true. I don't believe it's true. I believe like the other 35,000 plus lies that Trump and his people have put out, this is one of them. Why? 
for exactly the reason that you were just stating. Holy crud, his popularity is now increasing. People are throwing more money at him. That's part of the grift. That's part of the lie. He's creating a narrative that doesn't exist. And I remember he did the same thing with the Veterans Administration when he refused to um, debate Hillary for the second debate and instead claimed that we raised $6 million for veterans. All right. That's not true. Did not raise six million dollars. And if it wasn't for the press pushing him, that money never would have gotten to the veterans either. He would have kept it in his foundation. So I don't believe that this seven million dollars raised. He wants to create the narrative that his poll numbers, that his popularity are going up there. I mean, did you see, for example, Lindsey Graham crying, begging like a dog? for to give Donald money, right? Anybody that's pulling down $7 million over the course of a week, they're not out there begging. They seem to have the system, right, as they need it. You don't need Lindsey Graham or, you know, Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Green or any of these other right. people. They, they, would, they, they seem to have the system down packed, assuming that it was true. Mm. And, you know, don't assume. He doesn't win the election again. You expect another January 6th? You know, a lot of people turn around and said that if Donald Trump got indicted, there'd be blood and death in the streets and so on. We saw what happened. Alvin Bragg indicted Donald Trump. Tens and tens of people showed up right, in order to protest. He thought he was going to come to New York to a hero's welcome. And you know what he got? He got the big goose egg. There was nobody there. There were more outside of Trump Tower. I actually walked past it. Outside of Trump Tower, maybe you had 20, 30, you know, supporters. You had probably 400, you know, protesters. And you had the biggest media pool that I think I've ever seen in my life. And here, yeah. you know, Trump is The only there. thing He's missing waiting. was the white Bronco. The only thing missing was the white Bronco. Helicopters right? and everything. It was everything. I mean, it's it was it's it's ridiculous. It's a big joke. He thought he was coming into some gigantic, you know, hero's welcome. He got absolutely nothing out of New York. And that in and of itself should be indicative of the waning of his popularity, not just in New York. Don't forget if somebody, you know, New Jersey, he's got a good following in New Jersey. Eh. You know, I'll stay home today. I'll watch it on television. Not interested in being a part of this, you know, significant day that Donald Trump told people he was coming in. You know, it's it's again, it's all part of the great big Trump grift. It's big lie number two. And I think each and every day, more and more information is coming out that demonstrates just how many times that this man is willing to lie to his supporters and how stupid his supporters are to accept those lies. Okay. Michael Cohen, I appreciate your time, and I want you to be safe out there because the one thing that is very, very real are those threats you've said you've received, um, and you see how folks act in the streets from time to time. So obviously it's apropos to tell you to be very, very careful because he does have some supporters out there. We can't deny that. We can't deny that. Stephen A., I appreciate you. Keep doing you. Thank I you so much. You. Did you know that last year the S&P 500 went down 20%? Bitcoin went down almost 60%. But gold not only didn't lose money, but went up a few percentage points. So far this year, gold has been steadily rising and silver is up almost 30% in the last six months. Experts predict gold will continue to skyrocket this year and you don't want to miss out. That's because gold protects you from inflation and market volatility. Gold and silver should be a part of every balanced investment portfolio. Legacy Precious Metals is the company I trust when it comes to investing in precious metals. What I like about LPM is they have an education first approach. Making investing decisions can be overwhelming, but their team takes the time to answer all of your questions and give recommendations based on your personal situation. Call Legacy Precious Metals at 866-257-3080 or visit them online at LegacyPMInvestments.com to download your free investing guide. Don't leave your finances to chance. Be informed. Contact my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh The clock's ticking like my lifeline. 
till I flatline. I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Wow. Wow. I mean, it's hard to summarily dismiss. Listen, for those of you out there, particularly on the right, who wanted me to interrogate Michael Cohen, my response to you is that there's nothing to interrogate. He admitted everything. He did time because of it. What, 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 what's the news? The reality of the situation is that he was a lawyer who was considered um, amoral and unethical, to say the least, while he was working for Donald Trump and ultimately had to pay his comeuppance because uh, he did time. He was sentenced to three and a half years in prison. And he did some time because of uh, campaign finance rules, violations, and and the list. That's just a few of the things that he ultimately had to succumb to. Um, got stripped of his New York State law license. Um, certainly uh, was a pariah in the eyes of many because over 70, 000, 70 million people voted for Donald Trump. Um, and he's did his, he's done his time and now he's got not one, but two podcasts and uh, got his own business, still making some money, but clearly it's been a struggle for him. In the end, the story's not about him. It's about a president that's been arrested and indicted for the first time in American history. And that is Donald Trump and the specter of, of what this country will be like if he wins reelection, the long list of people he'll want to get after to exact vengeance upon his ability to use the, the justice department and the military to pull off a lot of stuff. This is the picture that Michael Cohen painted and whether you want to face the reality or not, it is a very, very, very scary proposition. But as I said to Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen is of the mindset. There's no way in hell. Trump can win a general election. Just get that out of your mind. I believe the Democrats believe that. They knew it would help Trump. In terms of his popularity and the ability to separate himself from Ron DeSantis, I believe is exactly what they want because they know it's likely easier to beat Trump than it is to beat DeSantis because Trump has scared the living hell out of more than half of America or the American voter. We've seen what the Democrats did when they were supporting Trump supporters on the Republican side against their own Democratic candidates because they knew that it would be easier for the Dems to beat Trump supporters for congressional and Senate seats. Lo and behold, okay, Democrats maintained control of the Senate. Lost the House but not by nearly as much as people had anticipated. There was not this red wave during the midterm elections that everybody anticipated. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the same strategy is being employed. My fear, and it's only with Trump, because I could vote for Nikki Haley. I could vote for somebody like that. I'm not going to say Pompeo. I'm not going to say Pence. I'm not going to say DeSantis but definitely not Trump. But I'll tell you this. If he wins, Lord help us. And by the way, I don't agree with Michael Cohen. I think Trump could win the presidency, not just the Republican nomination. Michael Cohen disagrees. Here's the scariest part. In all likelihood, even with him arrested and indicted, we're going to find out Who's telling the truth? Because Trump's going to win this Republican nomination. I can see it right now. It's going to be Trump running for the presidency again. Lord help us all. That's it for this edition of No Mercy. Appreciate y'all tuning in. As I always tell you, you don't have to know sports to know mercy. But it helps to know both. Particularly when you're talking about Donald Trump. You need to know everything you possibly can. Because who the hell knows what's coming down the pike. I'm just saying, it needs to be said. Till next time, everybody. Peace and love. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts. Hey. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.